Today, we have an exciting conscious conversation. We'll be looking at the Celestine prophecy with 2020 vision. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz, welcoming you to Exploring Possibilities, where we transform life from the inside out in holistic spiritual ways. Broadcasting since 2012, our entire library of shows can be found at journeyofpossibilities.com with new shows coming out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. We like to keep our content free and accessible to as many people as want to listen, so we really appreciate your contributions at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. In just a moment, James Redfield joins us. Mario, your work has taken a new direction lately that's pretty exciting. Tell us about it. Thank you, Cheryl. One of the things that I do is remote support. And what does that mean? It's like I can train you on your website if you're needing to do some updates. I have a client of mine that they call me every so often and I remote into their computer. And for two hours, I show her how to do something on WordPress, on Wix, or maybe Microsoft Word or Microsoft Excel, or even your email. And I have another client that I work with, and they're having issues with their computers. And I troubleshoot like if Microsoft Word doesn't open or they can't get to a website. And sometimes I'm just doing maintenance. I check their uh, backups to make sure everything's working. I verify that the passwords are working properly, their email's working properly, virus scan, all of that remotely. I don't even have to go to your house. And during this whole lockdown, it keeps me safe, keeps you safe. And why not give it a shot? You can contact me at MarioRosales.com and let me know how I can help you. James Redfield is a lifetime student of the human condition and spirituality. Since 1989, he's been dedicated to writing full-time about his interests in interactive psychology, Eastern and Western philosophies, science, futurism, ecology, and history. His most famed book, one of my all-time favorites, The Celestine Prophecy, published in 1994, spent 74 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list together with The Tenth Insight. And all of that made James Redfield the best-selling hardcover author in the world in 1996. He's received numerous awards, including Humanitarian of the Year in 2000. And James is now on The Celestine Prophecy Tour, which you can learn about at thecelestineprophecytour.com. I am so honored that he joins us now. Hi, James. Hello. How are you, Cheryl? I am so good. What an exciting time to be connecting with you to chat about this very prophetic book. Well, thank you. It's it's really nice to be out again. Uh, We're not out physically. We were, but... uh, uh, like everyone else, we're shut down at this point a little bit. So we're actually doing a lot of stuff virtually uh, now, and and we're creating an internet an internet community on my site, which is sellsinvision.com, to you know to have a place for people to gather and um, really pursue what I what I think is a explosion of people seeking true spiritual consciousness, which is. Uh, a little different from religion, but it's more the experiential version. And um, because so many people are are uh, rethinking life, really, uh, you know, a lot of people with this, these shutdowns, you know, just suddenly were thrown back on their own experiences, you know, all of us, uh, really. And uh, to assess, wow, you know, I had to give up all my preoccupations. What what do I really want to do in life? What is life really about? And I think so. Yeah, I think a lot of the shutdowns are uh, motivated by people who want to control and and all that and uh, everything that goes with that. But 
uh, what's occurring is uh, just the opposite. So there's a silver lining of what's happening, I believe, because people are really waking up spiritually. Exactly. Where else could we have come up with a scenario like this that makes the whole world stop and breathe and start to go? We can't help but go within, or at least at the very least, slow down enough to see what's been right in front of us for a long time that we may have been moving too fast to even recognize. And, you know, the facts are that all the, you know, there's three three large generations in play, and they're all at a particular point right now where they're asking the larger questions. Uh, And, you know, the background to all that is that uh, with millennials really coming of age spiritually, you know, they're passing 38, they really are reaching out for and asking the the higher questions about what I really want to do with my life. And this is charging this, this, that kind of question awakening, uh, is pushing what's a huge wave of meditation in the world. In fact, there's never been more people meditating in the world than right now. Yay! That is wonderful. It's it's my thing that, uh, you know, that that changes a lot. Yes. When you tune in like that, and uh, uh, especially uh, in, in a way where you're opening your heart uh, and seeking a kind of love-based consciousness, uh, what happens is that uh, everything goes up. It's it's more it's easier now, I believe, uh, to to break into this uh, this knowledge we have about how the spiritual universe works, and uh, and it's it's really giving a. a, a an amazing level of energy to the whole thing because intention goes up, uh, the ability to tune into intelligence, intuitive intelligence goes up. uh, And with that, all kinds of pure creativity goes up. So we're, in my view, we're putting all these understandings together now uh, in order to sort of shape our reactions in the world, open our heart and have a love-based energy that's very centering, as you know, and it's it's the most you know that emotion, the love emotion, agape, you know that's the that's the strongest we can ever be because we're centered in ourselves and our journey and our sense of mission. Yes, and there's so many people that have been doing this work for a time now that are now really ready for this. That are also reaching out a hand to those that are just discovering. Oh, I've got to clear some stuff away so that I'm clear to receive this wisdom and knowledge and higher vibrations. There's so much help. As you say, not only are there is there a lot of help coming in energetically, but there's a lot of help through humanity of the people that have been on this path for a time that have done their inner work or are do are comfortable with that enough to say, hey, I can help you. I can show you how I'll hold you and we can do this together. So it, it really is a great time for, for everyone to, that wants to to activate. I agree. And you know, we I believe it's uh, happening around inspiration energy. You know, that's a kind of, you know, that's, that's not linear. It's not intellectual. It's a, it's an energy level that we're beginning to operate on. And what happens is when we know the, uh, you know, I've, I talk about 12 insights and what I mean by that is under 12 understandings of how the world, the spiritual world really works. And 
you know, what we're doing uh, is realizing that, you know, when we step into these understandings and, and integrate them into our lives, what happens is that we get in alignment with the way the world is supposed to work. We live in a world where miracles are supposed to happen, you know, and I'm I'm not, a you know, this uh, uh, miracle a day guy. But, you know, the way we grow and break through uh, happen through synchronicities. And that and, you know, those are tiny miracles where somebody shows up in your life to give you information at just the right time. And all of us or we meet somebody that we you know, really become important in our lives over a longer period of time. Everybody's had that experience. And it seems like, oh, oh this, wow, this is beyond chance. Wow, this is this is amazing. Well, all of our lives every day are supposed to be uh, led forward by these kinds of synchronicities. That's the way the world is really designed. And the human race, I like to say, is really just now, after all these eons, figuring out that we live in a spiritually designed universe. And once you, once you know that, then doors start to open in every direction, and that's when we can live at this higher state of inspiration toward some kind of mission. You know, we all have that something we want to do. Yes, we do. And so much support to do it. And like you say, noticing those synchronicities is so important. And rereading your book to have this chat with you today, I was so glad for the opportunity to pick it up and read it again, because the insights had a lot to do with shaping my spiritual awareness during my awakening, which happened in 2012, which was kind of cool. And, <laughs> and now it's like a lot of those things have become so commonplace for me that I don't give them the gratitude and the recognition. So rereading the book really brought those synchronicities back into my heightened awareness again of, wow, look at all the things that happen every day for me that make my life so easy without any effort if I'll just pay attention and follow them. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think that's what more and more people are experiencing. And we're, it's in the whole package together. You know, yes, <laughs> I like to talk about uh, you know, these 12 insights or understandings. And and what, once we change our reaction patterns so that we're in alignment with what that, that aspect, we, we can talk about the insights if you want to and, and uh, try to communicate each of these, these understandings that can be garnered and, uh, you know, tuned into that raise our inspiration energy. Absolutely. You know, each one is a step upward. Let's do it. Okay. Well, you know, I think it all begins and ends with synchronicity. Uh, it's the it's, it's something that people, if they think about their lives uh, and they realize what synchronicity is, you know, it's a meaningful coincidence that happens that is beyond chance. It feels there's a certain destiny about it. Ooh, I was destined to follow to find to meet this person. I was destined to uh, pursue this new interest or new vocation or uh, anything that gives us the feeling that, you know, there's a, some kind of helping hand in the world uh, ingrained in reality that if we get, if we pay attention, we, f we can experience a kind of opening or opportunity that extends our journeys and feels destined. And uh, it, it, it just begins and ends with that. And just that, 
answers all the questions about spirituality. Uh, we don't know the nature of of God in a larger sense. Uh, it, 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 if that's the way we express it, you know, we it's hard to know uh, the big picture. But we do know absolutely uh, that we get help in life if we tune in. So there's a larger part of our intelligence that tunes in. And once we realize that we can ex- we can expect synchronicity and all all the other understandings uh, about life, spirit and the spiritual life especially, act to uh, bring us more frequent synchronicities. Right. So each one amps up our inspiration energy, and each one amps up the flow of these mysterious coincidences that allows us to complete a kind of destiny of helping out there in the world. And James, it's not always a pleasant synchronicity, is it? I mean, in the moment, depending on whether we're ready to accept it without judgment, it might be an unpleasant synchronicity, but it leads us ultimately to, a, to our greatest outcome. Well, that's, you know, that's the first ability that we have to cultivate if we want more uh, synchronicity in our life and more opportunity to show itself. Uh, and that is every so-called negative event has a, has a silver lining. Yes. Uh, and I know there are tragedies happen and there are challenges all over the place. But somehow, and people do this naturally all the time, they find something that they awaken to because of this negative event, even if it's a tragedy. I mean, those, those things happen in life. So if we're going to be excited about that flow, we have to be excited about how to uh, turn a negative event or hitting a brick wall in our journey or our creations, how that presents a slightly different avenue. It's not that a tragedy had to happen for you to make that turn, but because they do happen. Uh, we can we can know that we can make out of it a, a synchronicity and exactly. take advantage of it in a way that uh, we can we, in the end it may take a long time <laughs> but in the end with anything we can find that silver lining how we were turned in a different direction of growth because of it yes I like to ask how how can this be to my benefit how can this be for for me because I believe life happens for me. So how can this be for my benefit? Usually will take me out of the poor me and into something more beneficial. (laughs) I think the uh, second understanding follows from this, because if they're real, if synchronicities are real and everybody's experienced them, uh, then they're the answer to our friends who are atheists, right? (laughs) Who just think there's nothing more but material reality that somehow got created. And that, uh, and that, you know, you, you just have to use your ego to make the best life you possibly can or have the most fun or whatever it is that people who believe that do. But, you know, if synchronicity is real, and we know it is, uh, then it's the answer to that. You know, I mean, I, that, I, I just ask, uh, yeah, I have a lot of friends that are atheists, like we all do, you know, and uh, I just, I just point to synchronicities in their lives, you know, or ask them about them. And then they go, okay, but that's just pure chance. I was lucky that that happened. Uh, was it? Or did you get a sense of destiny? You know, it's, it's something's unfolding to allow you to uh, grow into some mission or gift or truth that, 
that you can tell in the world to make the world better, make evolution better. So um, I think that um, once we know that, then the second insight, and again, this is, this is an aha. Uh, you know, the second understanding is that, guess what? If you look back on human history, you can see people, all the people who made really important shifts and changes. I mean, uh, we started off in, with violent kind of uh, uh, empires and wars and fighting. And, and, you know, someone along the way, and, and if you look at the, their lives and what was, has been written about those lives, you see that a huge number of synchronicities turned them into doing something like, you know, inventing democracy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or all the little steps that we now look back and, and say this was progress as humanity moves toward understanding, accepting more and more larger and larger numbers of people as we kind of go global with that. And that we've invented democracy and, and emancipated almost everybody at the conscious level. And if we see what's going on, we know that every step of the way, people were motivated by these synchronicities. So it's all built into this program. What, whatever we're, which I believe is to unify humanity around a clear experiential spirituality uh, in the end, um, but everybody has a role in that. So suddenly, second, the second understanding is, wow, everybody has a role in that. We can open up to our own synchronicities and get that sense of, oh, my God, I'm on my path. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm working toward whatever it is I really want to do with my life. Yes. And that is so exhilarating. And that drives us forward into the other ones, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right, <laughs> because the third one is the one that I believe is most recent, and that's understanding the karmic design of the universe and understanding that you can be lucky, more lucky, more unlucky, as you make the decision whether to get into alignment with this karmic design. And I believe it's anybody can prove to themselves that the karmic design is around giving, in other words, if you're a giver, and that means you give of everything, you know, you, first of all, you look out for the best interests of people in your life. You give people when you find there's a way you can give, you know, uh, money-wise or advice-wise or all of that. But primarily what we're only now understanding is that the main gift that charges this, this karmic, karmic world is tuning in intuitively for a, to share something about our lives that would be a synchronicity to, to the other person. Now, all you get is a hunch of something you want to tell another person. And every, we've all experienced that, right? Yes. You, 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 you're talking to sometimes a stranger or a, or a best friend, and all of a sudden it comes to you some, something you did in your life that solved an issue or uh, had allowed you to transcend, let, let some bad habit go or, or whatever, whatever it might be. And if we give that gift, if we pay more, as much attention to giving a synchronicity to another person as, uh, getting one from them, then we're a giver and givers. Karmic impact of that is 
we draw more givers into our lives who are doing the same thing for us. Yeah, they're they're getting intuitions of what to say to us, and and uh, you know all in. And, you know, we've all had that experience. Somebody just blurts out something about something they did, and we go, oh, my goodness, this that one thing is exactly what I needed to hear right now. <laughs> and so that's the design. You know, synchronicity is not just an operating principle in the world, like Carl Jung thought when he invented the term. In my view, it's a karmic design in the world. And once we step into alignment with that and you know, change our reaction patterns and become motivated givers of intuitive information. Now, another thing happens there, right? If you're asking, how can I help this person? Like intuitively trying to tune in, what opens up? What opens up is your intuitive intelligence. And once you open that up by giving, then it operates as a kind of uh, operating system telling you where to go and what to do to uh, to have another synchronicity, you know, to have the keep the flow going even more and the inspiration energy coming up even more. So that's the third one. And again, if I could any of us, if we could if we could just, you know, shake the wand and everybody would become as much as a, a giver in the sense that I just said, the world would change overnight. Yes, it would. Overnight. The other ones make perfect uh, logical sense. It's something that everybody ought to do. But this one, this one empowers us to get all the help that we can possibly have in life, which means help that keeps us from from uh, uh, making some mistake. Uh, so it, it, what we do is, is, is have more and more a more positive flow in our lives. Hard to hear. If you're all locked down and your business just went bankrupt because the the powers that be decided to do it for political reasons, then, you know, it's hard to uh, you have to see that as a big synchronicity, though, you know, and then get back on that evolutionary, that synchronistic path to go beyond next time with your business as we as we fire up the economy more. Absolutely. And I wanted to say about the synchronicities that it really seems like the more I pay attention to synchronicities, creating them and honoring the ones that show up for me, the more exciting life becomes. That's the that's the happy place. That's where all the real joy comes in is, wow, look at I did this and then this happened. And now look what's happening. And the mirror, it really activates the miracles to to ramp up even. That's right. And it in the, in the inspiration and energy, as you say, it's just more fun, more of the time. <laughs> now, none of us, yeah, you know, we get knocked out of this flow, uh, but the way to get out of it, and, it, and let's let's say the worst experience, that would be what uh, the death of a child, right? But if you look at how, and I've I've known, you know, in my um, in my work, you know, I've known a lot of people that that has happened to. So that's the biggest jolt it's ever been. But you know what happens? You know, I, I've observed that when a, when a person experiences that, they just start to look for other people who've experienced that and start to do groups and start to do helping things. And it becomes a kind of calling uh, and it becomes 
uh, a way to get your energy back after something uh, really that shocking. We all get knocked out. Uh, helping is the way, uh, you know, just to start helping. If you're depressed because of everything that's going on, go find someone that's just as depressed as you. And uh, we'll get to, you know, there, there's a way to just give energy that I'll talk about in a minute. But it is a it, it is the, it's the only cure and it's the only way to stay up and stay positive and go forward in life to make, you know, these helping accomplishments out there. Um, uh, and that's it. So, it, you know, to go into the fourth, if the karma is pretty simple, the caveat about it, though, is that. What if you are taking unconsciously? Now, that gets us into unconscious control dramas, which which you remember from the book. <laughs> yes. Well, that's probably one of the favorite favorite uh, passages in the novel, the first novel, because everybody recognizes these control dramas, right? Yes. And uh, I always like to say that, that people have to, they really have to discuss these control dramas with a sense of humor, right? Because... <laughs> Nobody is free from using them unconsciously, but uh, it's important to see uh, what they do and uh, how they take energy from people. And uh, I'll just go through uh, the four that are talked about in the book. The most passive is the poor me, right? Yeah. And when you run into a uh, a poor me, that get in the energy field of a poor me, you suddenly start to feel like uh, guilty. Like you're not doing enough for this person, or they they expect you to do more, or or you know it's it's hard to say. And you and the person it might even say you know you, I thought you were going to call yesterday and you didn't call, and I had all these things happen, I had nobody to talk to about it, you know, <laughs> and 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 look at what you do in response to that kind of uh, drama. Uh, what you do is you say, oh my goodness, did I promise to call yesterday? I didn't realize that it was just a conversation, and then you realize, no, I didn't promise to call. So it's it's an inauthentic kind of guilt trip. But what it does is when you when you start to soul search and maybe ask the other person what happened and all that, what happens is uh, you realize that attention energy, you know, where attention goes, energy flows. So you give the person the attention, and they. But you were really kind of manipulated out of it, right? I mean, you you were manipulated into giving them energy. So these <laughs> these control dramas are how we steal energy by making people give us attention, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's just that simple. And what do you do about it? So to stay, uh, first of all, you feel sometimes we feel lowered or attacked by the other person, so we jump into our control drama and deny it and defend ourselves <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So there you got a power struggle all of a sudden, right? Nobody is able to stay authentic and grounded in their own uh, journey or any of that. Everybody's knocked off. That's what's really wrong with the world, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's wrong with the world at every level still. So we're working on get it, transcending these power uh, struggles. And I believe that what we're learning to do, uh, based on our knowledge, growing knowledge of spiritual reality here, is first of all, we just realize that, wait a minute, I can center and I can, I can uh, uh, have enough energy. I don't have to argue with this person over energy. 
I can just go ahead and give them the energy they want, right? So if you do that, and you know you can, however you want to uh, make a joke out of the situation or or take down the temperature of the situation in some way, but but if you mainly give that energy, which is what the person wants, then you can do something that turns the conversation authentic, and that is naming the game. So this is a game to steal your energy. So now you're giving it anyway. They don't need to steal it. You name the game, which is telling the truth as gently and loving as possible, right? You say, you know, a lot of times I'm, when I'm with you, I feel guilt-tripped. And that's a colloquialism, but most people know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> and uh, what are they going to say? Well, they could deny it. No, no, I didn't do that. I did, you know, or you're just trying to make me feel guilty. Or, you know, they can say anything. But if we just stick to our guns, well, that's how I feel in the situation. Okay. That's the gift. That's your authentic truth, right? Right. And you have to just say that's that's just how I felt because, you know, it it might be a misperception, actually. So to guard against any of that, you just say how you feel. And that authentic conversation uh, eventually reveals the truth all around. Right. Uh, but you have to not participate in the control drama. So you just say it. And you don't just you say it once. If they argue, which that's just how I felt. And that, if you say the truth to that, that is a gift. That's a synchronistic gift. Now they, they might not take it as a synchronicity right <laughs> away, but then somebody will say the same, same thing, right? Yeah. Over time, that truth makes it way, makes its way through the the control drama, and the person gets insight into their own behavior, and they're able to let that go. Hopefully, and they too uh, start to center in their energy within, and you just handle that authentically every time, and that is a way to transcend these control dramas. And uh, now, catching ourselves is another issue, right? <laughs> when we do it, but but the more we stay authentic, the more we can look at our own behavior too, right? And catch ourselves doing that. So it's it's a game of catch. Uh, so you're you're trying to catch yourself before you react with a counter control drama of some kind, or and and just remember to do the thing it makes it keeps your energy solid, and that is staying in truth as far as you know it, and giving them the energy they wanted anyway. Right? Uh, it's better than just running away from the person and never, you know, not speaking to them again. Or, <laughs> Uh, but you have to be brave because they could sever contact with you. Uh, but it's it's good karma to say the truth. It's an intuitive gift. Um, now there there are three others I'll go through uh, real quickly. Just just for example, uh, let a little less passive than that is the aloof, and the aloof, of course, is is the person who doesn't disclose. So when you ask them, well, you know, what'd you do last night? Well, I went out. Well, where'd you go? Oh, a couple of places downtown, <laughs> you know? So, so what do you do? You keep, when somebody's acting like that, you, you know, you can, you can feel that they really, uh, are kind of, uh, seeking the, your energy of when you interrogate, you know, and when you, uh, want to know more about them, that's energy. So the, the longer they, uh, distract, the more questions you ask, and so that's that's the pattern, you know, that force you into giving energy. 
And uh, of course, uh, the the solution is exactly the same. You give them the, give them the energy and just say, you know, I, I always feel about you that you never give me a straight answer. You never give me insight into your life. Uh, you know, or that's that's a lot better than hammer them hammering them with just just a non-disclosive uh, person. You know, it, 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 and so the remedy is still the same. And if you get more, if we get more, uh, look at it with more aggressively, uh, you run into a, an energy field where uh, you feel criticized, you know. I mean, it's almost automatic. You run into this. We, we've all known interrogators, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the game we're going to talk about. So interrogators are looking to find something wrong with you because it, it gets your energy transferred to them because they're the ones that uh, might criticize you. So you don't want to be criticized. So you're walking on on, on uh, tiptoes around them. And what always occurs is that as soon as you get around a person with that kind of control drama, you you just mind your P's and Q's because you know who wants to get criticized. <laughs> you know? But again, you say your energy and you say, you know, when I when I talk to you, sometimes I, I just always feel criticized. You got to express that with love and non-judgmentalness. You know, uh, that's the secret and give them energy. And sometimes they'll admit it. You know, I, that's my problem. I really do that. Don't I? That's the best thing you can hear. And then you can say, well, well, let me tell you about my control drama, you know, and then suddenly <laughs> it's an authentic, even uh, revelationary kind of uh, conversation. And, you know, it's real. And that's that's what we need. That's what we're building now as we tune into all this. Uh, of course, the most aggressive interrogate, uh, control drama is the intimidator. Now, the intimidator is someone who walks in the room and you can just kind of tell you know, they're, they think they're the baddest person in the room or they are, you know, even they'll say things, well, you know, don't, don't mess with me right now. I might just blow. I'm right on the, t- uh, you know, the, you, they look like they might explode and do harm. Now that's a control drama. And that one, you have to keep your distance in my view. Uh, because if you go telling them the truth, true and they too directly, you have to really be subtle with how you you give energy, but also how you say the truth about that. Uh, most people, when they find out someone's an intimidator, they just leave. Yeah, that's why it's so hard to break somebody if they get into an intimidator pattern. Uh, so, so to help them let go of that, you know, I worked in a, a prison. I did a lot of psychotherapy with gang members back in the day, and. You know, it's it's difficult to reach people like that, but it can be done. And it's usually the people that used to be intimidators that are able to handle it. Right. <laughs> As it should be. And uh, uh, so there's uh, we're all awakening to these control dramas and that's turning the whole world more authentic and therefore more centered and intuitive. And, you know, have we reached a critical mass? Maybe not yet. But I think we're really having a rise in consciousness now. That's important. Well, and I've actually heard some of these dramas referred to as like an energy vampire or someone that pulls all the energy the minute they're in the room. And so we don't want to be around those people and they kind of exile them or they talk about them when they're not in the room or whatever, which is just another control drama, isn't it? It's like it's not fixing anything. 
Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, everybody's got to be authentic and non-judgmental about that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying not, but you do have to tell the truth. Because if you don't tell the truth, you're sort of joining the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is where you lose your energy. You lose your authentic posture in the world and uh, all that comes with that. But the next one is fun because the fifth insight is is the remedy for us all. And that's why I'm so excited about so much meditation happening in the world. Uh, because meditation, yeah, as we understand it now and as we participate in it now, is the fastest transformative thing, in my view, that anyone can do. I agree. If they want to break through, this is the quickest way to do it. Now, I I advocate a heart-based meditation. You know, it's based really the same way as a mindfulness meditation, except it it lets you let go of the mental chatter in your mind, what you did or didn't do right, what other people did or didn't do right to you, uh, all the chatter about uh, that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of what I should have said to that person that insulted me, right? You let that go. In other words, when it comes in, it'll take over your mind for a minute because it's so habit-filled, right? Mm-hmm. But when you become conscious of the fact, oh, my God, I'm not, med- I'm not it, you know, em- I don't have an empty mind. You want to clear your mind. You want the silent self to grow. So you let every- all this chatter go. But you also have to let the emotional chatter go. And so I advocate a mantra, a different mantra, where what we're doing is seeking agape love connection, all right, heart opening, okay? Now, love, what? We think we need an object before love comes, right? This special somebody, you know, brings out the love. Children bring out your love. You know, the memories of departed loved ones, you know, that's that brings out our love because they're working on us, right? But we have to understand that that is a, an emotion. You can either have anger, hate, envy, uh, hurts you think other people have done to you, or uh, any of the other lower emotions. If you want that, that's fine. But I would like to have, you know, a breakthrough into this agape love as an emotion. It, in fact, is an emotion. It's our primary emotion. It's a, the emotion of spiritual consciousness where everything has to bounce off this love, bliss place. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, so, so anger doesn't, can't get in and overtake us if, if it's this love because it's the most centered place you can be in. You're giving it to people. That's the kind of energy you give to people. Or, and are you kidding? That is so transformative of your life, and it's all just a matter of practice. And, and meditation can be so uh, intimidating at first. And, and I know I had anxiety sitting there alone. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> facing all this stuff in my life. I didn't want to do that. But uh, once you do it just long enough, you realize that it's a centeredness in yourself that, number one, brings on a positive judgment on yourself, a release of negative judgments, because it's so good, this emotion, this real centering emotion, you, know, you become the star of your own movie through, through this kind of meditation. I mean, it, over time, you can live in your peace place, and guess what? You let all this chatter go, 
And guess what? You start to get hunches and intuitions and gut feelings to do things at the right time. And then that is that takes you to a place where there's all this synchronicity. Six and seven are all about that. Turning on the intuitive intelligence, listening to the hunches. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's transformative in a way that is so surprised because you'll actual, you know, you, we like to remember our responsibilities, right? When to call a client or something like that. And, and we make these big lists. Well, you know, what takes over when you, in, when you open your intuitive intelligence is an intuitive reminder. You know, it's like the reminder on the iPhone. That thought to call that person that you need to talk to arrives as an intuitive guidance. And you go, oh, yeah, I haven't called that person yet. And, you know, it's all we're all connected at that level. So that if, if your friend, you know, if a friend you haven't talked to in a while comes into your mind, what happens when you pick up the phone and call them right then? What do they say? I was they just say, thinking about you. <laughs> I was just thinking about you. Out of that comes a, some kind of really meaningful synchronicity for both people. It's all coordinated. Our, our spiritual unfolding, our, uh, our, our, our journey toward uh, you know, our, our, our true mission in life, the truth we're supposed to be here to tell. All we have to do is open up to it. <laughs> it's spiritual reality. Uh, so it's really, really important. And, and that question that you just answered, I've asked that in 10 continents, maybe. And everybody gives me the same answer. <laughs> different alphabets, different languages. You know, <laughs> everybody already knows that's true. You know, there's a, some kind of connection we have with other people, especially when it's important for their growth or our growth. Right. So that's really fun. Uh, so once you understand that that's real in, in your spiritual life and you start to get to a place where you can live that, it's pretty special. Yes, it is. Well, do you have time to cover up to the other two? I know the time's ticking away pretty quickly, but I'd love to hear the rest of the insights if you've got a minute or two to share those with us. Sure. I mean, they all just uh, move forward with more momentum after you get past <laughs> that one. Here we go. I mean, the six and the seven is it's all about the flow. You know, getting an intuition of mission. So once you get the synchronicity going and the and the good luck that comes from being a giver, uh, what happens is that you uh, open your intuitive guidance so that you know what where to do to, to pursue more information about what your mission is, and your mission starts to come to you, right? Because it's what you do. If, if you just look at how you help people, well, you know, if your mission is to create a new electronic program that helps people uh, fix their cars easier or whatever it might be, then you realize, wow, I got real talent for that. You know, I'm a technician guy or girl. Uh, so I think that uh, it, you know, every, every single vocation can be turned into a mission that we find out in the world. And it, if we could just turn all the jobs spiritually oriented uh, we're on our way to transformation, right? Uh, so that's 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 through seven, but when we get to eight, that's a, a real powerful one because eight is when we realize that we can give not just synchronicity, not just uh, energy, but real transformative energy. Okay, 
we're in that flow. We carry the energy to all the every inspiration energy goes up every time we start to live the understanding of of spirituality on this planet. Then what happens is we get more powerful. So the eighth is uh, the interpersonal ethic. So if you're not just giving of synchronicities, but giving of overall energy, love based, love based, then you you're your gift to every single person becomes kind of automatic. Uh, and the interpersonal ethic is always look in every conversation, every interaction, look for that, that intuitive intelligence into the other person, right? Now that's a, that, you know, all of us have seen people when they really get inspired, you know, and they really get up and, uh, they're telling their truth somewhere. That's that's a level of energy and inspiration. You can see that on the person's face. But if they're down and out or, yeah, they're in a control drama, whatever, and you interact in a way that you automatically are looking for that sense of uh, spiritual connection in their face, sometimes they'll pop in and you'll see it all of a sudden. It It's pretty dramatic when that happens, but that is happening more and more for for more and more of us because the energy is contagious. And if you're, uh, and, and you know, that kind of gets us to uh, the ninth. So the ninth is a kind of view of the future that crystallizes the present. Uh, and the view of the future is, of course, like in the first book, the, the uh, realization that we're energy beings, you know, we're, we're spiritual beings. We're not even, you know, yeah, you know, Deepak used to talk about the uh, superstition of materialism. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly true. We're we're just full of atoms. We're mostly empty space of energy between <laughs> particles of atoms, and uh, so we're really just a vibration of energy. It just looks like flesh, and you know, if you cut your arm off, you bleed, but that's just the energy, poor, you know, uh, changing. But once we get ourselves elevated in this inspiration energy to a certain degree. What happens is that we go light being, you know, and that's the rapture. If if people want to look that up in Revelation in the Bible, uh, that's the rapture we're going to have in my view. And uh, that's fun to talk about uh, because I believe there's a lot of darkness in the world right now. In fact, with all the revelations about pedophilia and, you know, human trafficking and, you know, it's worse than we ever thought. You know, there's just this dark side is showing itself, right? All the lies. Yes, it is. And so it's just showing itself. So what's happening, I believe, in preparation for this rapture is that the dark is getting darker and the light is getting lighter. So what happens in, in, at some point is the dimension, two dimensions will split. So the people of the light will be on one side. People of the dark will be on, on another side. So that whole future of darkness will play out. But somewhere else, we will not be a subject to and so, you know, people say, well, uh, we're waiting for God, you know, big mystery uh, to lift us up, rapture us, you know, into into heaven. I like and, that vision. Well, it's great. But see, I think God is waiting on us to mm-hmm. do this. Yep. <laughs> so we've got to do the work, do the, you know, and, and for me, I believe it's understood, you know, the spiritual journeys in, in the you know, the transformation of the world is understood more clearer now than ever before. So it's easier to do this than ever before because, you know, we're applying intention 
into the world. So, but we'll get to intention. So that's the ninth. The tenth is it's not just us helping here on the planet. It's the afterlife, right? Right. Uh, if you look at the uh, all the near-death experience literature, one of the the standard uh, experiences is that all the energy is directed here, right? Daniel Brinkley says nobody gets to come to Earth that's not a strong and powerful warrior, you know. But but it's directed here. So whatever whatever uh, unity is happening here over time. Uh, you know, whatever this process is, we're understanding more and more of, you know, it, it's it's something that the after we, you know, we're over there when we get back to the afterlife, we're getting ready to come again. I mean, we're getting ready to, uh, you know, the, the revelation also talks about a new earth and a new heaven. Uh, well, the new the heaven, you know, they're fragmented over there. This is the unifying experiment, I think, right here that's going on <laughs> there sending energy for it we come with a with a birth vision of it's never is exactly how we dream it up but we we want to learn something and we want to we want to give a truth in the world that's why the sense of mission is in everybody you know mm -hmm. everybody talks about it uh at some level and uh, uh so that's that's the uh that's the 10th the 11th is Something else is growing more powerful in the world than ever before as we become more conscious, and that is intention. We have to intend a prayerful intention. You know, prayers are not, you know, please, God, let me do this or that. You know, if you look in the Bible, even with, you know, the, uh, the Christ said in the Christ's prayer, um, it was all affirmative affirmations. Yeah. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. You know, I didn't. He didn't say, uh, "Well, just ask, plead on your knees uh, <laughs> to get your daily bread." He, that's not what he said. He's. It's almost like an assertion, a affirmation, a, a testament of faith, but also in some way using that connection with the divine within us to manifest something. Right. And you have to do that with affirmative prayer. Now, I think that the, what we're using now is not just affirmations, though, but uh, affirmations in gratitude. Yes. I was going to say that's important. Yeah. Gratitude gets it out of the ego. And gratitude is an establishment of the faith power that we have at our disposal. And the more we believe this stuff, the more faith power we have. Right. And uh, so that's happening. And. Uh, of course, the 12th is, uh, and, and one more statement about intention. I, I, I say uh, intentions out loud about everything. You know, I don't go on a trip and go, I set an intention about how uh, I would like it to unfold. Uh, and when I get through that, I say, or something better, you know, because I think that that's, that's how powerful we are. We can... We can have, you know, we're protected about it by these affirmations in some in some way because we we ask in a kind in an affirmative way uh, to be uh, to go safely through this journey we're about to embark on. That's part of the the protection that that a lot of spirit, uh, spiritual scriptures talk about that we're protected here. Well, people say well, I'm not protected. Well, we're protected here. 
by guiding intuitions, premonition that guide us around trouble. Uh, I've walked off airplanes lots of times. I've, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been helped in that way so many times. It's, you know, it, 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 to me, it's amazing that you know, I've got intuition some, uh, about something not to do. Uh, and, and that's and powerful. Act, um, that is. That's how we protect it. So as we open up spiritually, the protection begins to manifest. But, you know, to go on to the uh, 12th, the 12th is, is what we're discussing now, and that is the integration of this. So each of these understandings about how the world really works has to be actually integrated into one's life, right? Uh, so that the, you change the way you react, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a calling to do things a little different, that each of these understandings of the way the spiritual world works always calls for to operate in life a little different. Uh, and so it's the integration, and the integration is energetic too. You know, if you, if you move through these, these understandings, and each one gives us a kind of, it fires an archetype as, as Carl Jung uh, thought, uh, that's already, we're already programmed in our brains and consciousness for this, right? So it pops, we pop into this inspiration energy, and then we get knocked out of it. But the popping, once we then learn to integrate each of these, you know, call them aspects of spiritual life on the, on the planet, then what happens is the energy level then flows out. And I, that, I really think that the major integration is energetic so that we're up and energized and the energy goes out from us, right? And what's it, guys, carrier? It's a carrier field of uh, love, of possibility, of uh, inner importance, of uh, we can all be self-confident to, uh, you know, it, it, that's, it's a carrier field. And so we have to realize that. So we have influence at a distance, you know, uh, driving down the driving down the freeway. You know, what do we are we get? Are we just going to be worried about, uh, you know, some kind of crazy driver uh, freaking out and, and, and doing something crazy? Or are we going to let our field go before us, carrying all this uplifting juice with the intent that, no, they're going to be super charged with an understanding that you know they shouldn't be doing anything dangerous because in dangerous lives and what before we even go into a room you know if we let we just visualize this level of influence our carrier field goes into the room before us now as as a person who's talked to uh you know been petrified realize that you know this you know my my uh, influence uh, got ahead of my readiness, right? I mean, The Self-Same Prophecy was the number one book in the world. Uh, one time Deepak and I spoke to, I think it was about 18,000 people in a big stadium, right? <laughs> and, uh, well, Deepak at that time was, a, you know, he was used to that. I was not, you know. <laughs> here's, this, uh, here's this novelist trying to put all this stuff together, and then all of a sudden it's the number one book in the world. And so here I am walking up there to talk to where it was, 18,000 people, right? And you, what happens is that if you carry that field with you, then it lifts you to the level where you can handle that. 
you know, it's it's always an influence that you step into. Nobody has courage to do the things sometimes we're called to do on our journeys. We have to let that energy come through us and into the world. And and again, that's to me that's the, the I was going to mention the fastest way to lift yourself up, to keep your energy high, is to envision it coming up in you and flowing out toward everybody else. And you can do a global, we used to do global prayer projects where we would all do that and just send that energy out all around the planet. Um, and we'll be doing doing a lot more of that on the community that we're building now. And what is so, that website again? So we can make sure they know to go and join up if they want to join your community. It's CelestineVision.com. And we are excited to be living in a time where the Celestine prophecy is becoming real in our world. And my partner Mario here and I talk about, wow, you know, we can see the edges around the plants that they talk about in the book and we can feel, see all these synchronicities. And we, I mean, we're experiencing all the the power dramas and all the, it's really an exciting time to be alive, to be living the Celestine prophecy and not just reading about it as a grand adventure that someone else got to take. (laughs) Well, I think we're all programmed to make this transformation. Uh, to live it out, to give it to others, uh, and it's again that we're all we're all designed for it. And when, once we tune into, once we just understand all the ways that we keep ourselves strong and help others with greater energy, then it's just going to happen, and could happen very quickly. Uh, our theme in our in the community will be, you know, raising the critical mass because. The critical mass is that number of people living this way that creates a kind of crystallization point where then all of a sudden the contagion of it sweeps around the world. That's an exciting we'll be... vision. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm very excited about the community. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're talking about all the things it takes to get to that level of creativity, you know, and, uh, and nobody's there all the time. You know, it's not like, you know, the world of gurus is really over. You know, gurus sort of are there to hold the energy, maybe. But now it's time for all of us to work out the details and uh, practice staying in this at this level of energy. Amen. Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) Well, James, thank you so much. I know you have a busy schedule. We really appreciate the time that you've spent with us today. And wow, just sharing all the insights and talking about all of them so we can kind of run through the checklist for ourselves and see which ones we might want to revisit to make sure that we are living all of those and integrating it all the best that we can. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And look, thanks for you, creating all this energy around around the interview and around all the things that you're doing out there. Uh, I, can t- I can really feel it. And that's, you can feel it when you talk, you can feel it. And, uh, and uh, so, so keep, keep that up and, and uh, more energy to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the same to you. We've been talking to none other than James Redfield about the Celestine Prophecy. And you can find out about it at the CelestineProphecyTour.com. You can go to the community and sign up. And be sure and let us know what you thought of the show today. We love your feedback. You can do that at JourneyOfPossibilities.com. You can also give us some support there as well. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.